I'm stuck. Stuck in this rut that I created. And the rat race that was sold to me is an American dream. I dream, but now I hate it. Blaming God for the facade that I put on, but I still play it. The model looking movie star making castles out of basements. It's lights, camera, action for a photo and a caption. It's late nights awake trying to edit the mistakes that haunt my face. Zits, lines, bags under my eyelids. Insecurities got me wishing I was a white kid. I'm trapped. Trapped inside a place where my thoughts consume me. And all the imagery and media that I'm consuming is leading me to abusing myself, drugs, and alcohol. Cause self-medicating is the only way I feel at all. I'm numb. Beat down by my religion. There's a line in the sand between what's fact and fiction. And so many different sides. All these voices in my mind. I don't feel a piece of God. I just feel a great divide. Post a pic. Get a light. Feel the buzz. But my identity's defined by my social media. And religion's telling me I'm wrong according to the Bible. But the only scripture I know I just Googled for my bio. I'm tangled. I would be lying if I told you I never contemplated suicide or dying. They tell me to talk to family every time I call the hotline, but I don't want to burden people with feelings I feel all the time. I'm tangled. These chains heavy, my wrists hurting, my back breaking. I hate Satan. I'm so impatient. I'm filled with hatred. Looking for quick fixes rather than just flip scripture. Building self-esteem through likes instead of building that in Christ. I keep my focus on the screen instead of focused on the king. I continue walking in my pain when Jesus paid to break these chains. I'm tangled. We live in a world of tangles and things that try to tie us up and steal from our life things that try to promise us that they'll give us hope and give us life and give us a feeling, whether it's a selfie or social media or, 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 or some type of uh, control that we think we might have. And, and I, I know starting this series, Tangled, I mean, I'm looking at Chris right here in this chair tied up with all these different types of things that promised him some type of, uh, some type of life, some type of satisfaction, but the reality is many of us end up in this same chair. Some of you are in this place today in a chair like this with ropes on you that we might not be able to see, but things that have got you tangled up. I had to go watch the movie Tangled because it was the series called Tangled, and the, the whole thought of the series, the whole thought of the movie is that there's this this mom, this false mom, this imposter that tells this girl who she kidnapped from a young baby, she tells her, her whole life, I'm mom, I'm going to protect you, I'm going to take care of you, I, I, it's dangerous out there, I've got you, I'm going to care for you, I'm going to love you, I'm going to protect you, mom knows best, I'm going to love you, and, and then the whole time she's promising to protect and love the little girl, she's actually imprisoning her in this tower, sucking the life out of her. If you know the story, her hair has magical powers, and the mom stays young by sucking the life out of her hair, but she has to keep her imprisoned in order to keep her and the life pulling from her. There are so many imposters in your life and in my life that promise to protect us and care for us and give us life. At the whole time, it's sucking the life out of us. You can go down the list. Control promises us that we have some, some, uh, some happiness or some uh, ability to control our circumstance. But the reality is we can't control anything. Control promises to protect us, but it pulls the life out of us the whole time, leaving us more angry and wanting to control more things around us. Amen. 
anger is some false control that really comes out of a place of fear deep down in our heart. And we think that we can actually feel good with anger and it feels good for a minute, but, but in the long run, it ends up tying us up and leaving a wake of destruction to all those around us. Anxiety and worry and, 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 and who likes me and social media. And so really the goal of this whole series is, is to just begin to slowly untangle ourselves and to look at the reality of our life and how we've gotten tangled up and what's tangled us up and, and face it. And, 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 and the reality is that we can't, we, we can't allow God to fix it until we face it. And so that's my heart to see us get up out of these chairs and come untangled from the things that have lied to us and promised to protect us. Come on, give Chris a hand and that creative team a hand. Thank you, man. Many of you have those those different ropes on you right now. I know there's some in my life preparing for this series and this sermon and, and, and we have to face it in order for God to fix it. And I, I, I love Transformation Church because it's not just church as usual. It's not just cold religion. It's not just come to church and check the box. Maybe it is for some of you, but I pray that today you'd leave here and it wouldn't be that way, that you could actually meet the living God, the one that gave you life and breath and gave his son for you and gave you purpose and hope and meaning and has already died and shed his blood to remove all the chains and all the ropes and all the things that would try to entangle us. We're going to jump into the Word of God, and um, we're going to go through this series for the next four weeks. And today, I'm just going to kind of give you an overview of the things that grab us, and then I'm going to give you some more practicals over the next three weeks. And so you need to come back every week, and who knows, there might be some other surprise. You never know what you're going to get at the beginning of service. And so uh, it's good to be in God's house. Look at, look at somebody and say, we're getting untangled today. Jeremiah 3, 22 through 25. I think this is a great series in August to start us back into a new semester, into new school systems, into, into new grades, new classes, new jobs, what, whatever it might be. It's a restart. And so this is a great way uh, to kind of just reposition going back into this new year or this new semester. Jeremiah 3, 22 through 25. This is God's children, God's people crying out to God because they've gotten entangled. They've gotten tangled. They've actually left God. They're crying out to God saying, God, we're back. And they're coming back to God. And they're, and, they, and they're saying, this is what happened to us. They say, we're here. We've come back to you. You're our own true God. All that popular religion was a cheap lie. Duped crowds buying into the latest in gods. We're back. Back to our true God, the salvation of Israel. The fraud picked us clean. Swindled us out of our ancestors' What they bequeathed us, gypped us out of our inheritance. God blessed flocks and God-given children. We made our bed and now we lie in it, all tangled up in the sheets of dishonor. Come on, any ever been tangled up, kind of run from God into some certain areas and thought it would give you life or protect you or, or feed you or bless you, and then you find yourself coming back to God going, God, I'm back. That's what these guys were doing. My title for today, very simple title, Fake Cigars, Begging Cash, and Coming Home. <laughs> Y'all ready for that? <laughs> Fake cigars, begging cash, and coming home. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we are sometimes tangled. We live in a world of tangles. And Holy Spirit, you're the only one that can identify, that can help, that can, that can annihilate the things that tie us up. Lord, anything that's tried to promise us life that's imprisoning us, I pray you deal with it today, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we look to you. You're the one that paid the price on that cross to get us untangled. We give you glory and honor today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
fake cigars, begging cash and coming home. You guys know from last week, we came back from Cuba and a team of nine of us. And, and one of the things that I wanted to do, and don't judge me, was to buy some cigars in Cuba. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and we're in Cuba, and so we're going to get some cigars, right? And, and uh, of course, not for me to smoke or try to give away to you Christians as gifts. And, um, and so uh, I, I, I was thinking in the back of my mind, we're going to get some good Cuban cigars, and uh, it's going to be awesome. And so we took a certain amount of money. Pastor Drew was there on the trip and some, some of the team. And, and so we had a certain amount of money we spent all week. And it turned out, like, we went to get the cigars. And we had this guy that said he knew the area. We went to this market. And he's like, I can show you where to go. And, and the last thing that I would think that you would get in Cuba is a fake Cuban cigar. You're in Cuba, right? I mean, it's, 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 Cuban, uh, it's, it's Cuban tobacco. How can that be fake? It's a Cuban cigar, right? And so... So we go in, and uh, the guy takes us in this back alley, huge 100,000-square-foot market. He's like, you come with me, you come. It's it's good. Authentico, 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 authentico. If you've got to say authentico that many times, it's probably not. (laughs) And so we get into this back alley. Like, they're crowding. Everybody's crowded around us. It's hot, like 108 degrees. Humidity is about 109. Uh, And and so you're just dripping, and Drew and I are there, and some of the team, and they're pulling out these these boxes of cigars from under the cabinets and they're telling us you need the stickers and they're actually putting the fake stickers on the boxes to make us feel better that they're real you know what I mean I'm like they're acting like it's the government seal you know like we we seal these for you and we're like thank you you know I'm thinking it's like what I have to do to get through customs with the my my $85 we drew and I chip in we split the box come on your executive pastor split them with me and so, and so we, we split the box of cigars, we get them. And so this, this, this on, the, on the normal store would be a $1,000 box of cigars. We got them for 85 bucks. I spent my last $40 on these cigars in Cuba. We have a half a day left, and then we're leaving the next day to the airport. I get to the next day. Drew has no more money. I have no more money. And a few of the team has a little bit of money. And my son, my 16-year-old, has a little bit of cash in his wallet. And I am starving. We get to the airport. I don't speak the language and I have no money. That is a bad disaster waiting to happen. I'm starving. We're all on our last leg of of, of civility. We're mad. We've been in Cuba sweating for eight nights. You know, it's like we're on each other's nerves. We get to the airport. We're starving. We haven't, your stomach's been on edge all week because of the food. And we get to this airport and they've got some French fries, some weird chicken that you didn't want to eat. And and I saw Sprite. I'm like, I need a Sprite in Jesus' name. I have no money. I'm begging for money. I'm so dishonored. I'm the pastor. I'm the only, I'm like, I turn to my, my, my 16-year-old and beg. I'm like, please, son. I'm thirsty. He's got this glimmer in his eye like, I got you, sucker, for a long time. He's calculating deals in his head. And, and so, so he finally gives me a, a $5 bill. You know, I get a Sprite and some French fries. My other son's hungry. He loves food. He's angry. And so we're fighting him over fries. I'm like, get off the fries. And he's eating them faster than I can eat them. And I'm an adult. You know what I mean? We're all in this circle. And so we, we, we get back to, I have no money. I, I'm, I'm been just, this fake guy had taken me to buy fake cigars. I'm out of money. I'm begging for cash. I get back to the, to the airport in America and in Atlanta and my credit cards can finally work. Come on, somebody for American credit cards. I'm hungry. I've been a vegan since January. Pastor Drew's fault. We look up. He sees a five guys sign. He yells five guys. I have a salvation moment. The heavens part. I've been a vegan. I fall into the arms of one of those five men. It was a double 
It was a double cheeseburger with french fries. I got saved all over again. Jesus has to be one of those five guys. You know what I'm saying? I'm in. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just feeling right, you know. Just fake cigars. I get back home, I'm like, I felt like those were fake. And so I get online and YouTube it, right? And it's like, here's your seven signs that you bought fake cigars. It says the number one place that sells fake cigars is Cuba. I'm like, that makes sense. Um, uh, I should have known that. And it says this, this, and this. It says, do not smoke those. They've been known to have human hair, dog hair, dog feces, twigs, and other things. Drew smoked one, not me. <laughs> Y'all can get on him. I, 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 I looked at it. Here I am. Have, a, have this fake guy take me to fake cigars, spend my last dime, begging for food, have nothing, just waiting to get back to, to America. How many times, listen, how many times do we buy into fake guides that lead us to fake gods, that lead us to counterfeit stuff that we buy into, spend all of our money, all of our inheritance, give everything we got to think it's going to actually give us freedom and protection in life, and it leaves us dishonored, wrapped up in the sheets of despair. When it happens to us all the time and we think that this next job or this next thing or these things that promise us uh, uh, pleasure or promise us freedom, control, anxiety, worry, fear, anger, it feels good but leaves a destructive passivity. Come on, passivity. For all you passive people, I'm just not going to rock the boat. I'm just not going to deal with it. Passivity promises you protection but it leaves you with, with anger and bitterness and resentment on your inside of your heart because you never spoke up promises you uh, fame and power, lust. Come on, how often does lust promise us to satisfy, but you just move on to the next relationship and the next thing that, that you take from, and lust doesn't, doesn't give, it takes, and then there's greed, and there's, then there's more products and more promos, and there's more, 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 and all these things promise us a better life. Come on, but we're more distracted than ever. We just are. I went to the Apple store the other day. You know you ain't, unless you're buying something, you're not getting out of the Apple store in under an hour. You know what I'm saying? And I went, and they'll get, you'll get you out of there if you're buying some. I was asking for a repair and then to look at some four and a half hours later. And, and, then, and then having to buy the adapter for the adapter for the adapter for the new adapter. I'm like, man, y'all got a racket going on here. This isn't simpler. This is more complicated. I'm like, and then, and then what's, they're trying to sell me the new iPhone. It's not new. Like, it's $1,200 more than the last one. I'm like, what's new on it? They're making up features. Like, it can actually tell when you're breathing, and it only takes pictures in between breaths. People are dropping over dead because they're holding their breath trying to get the right selfie all the time. It's like, it's, it's, like, it's more complicated. We have, come on, we've got TVs on our refrigerators. If you've got one, I'm not judging you because I kind of want one. But how long can you stand there? Like, there's, no, there's no more couch potatoes. There's fridge magnets. Now, y'all are fridge magnets. Just like, you know, be, what are you watching there? Like you're making up meals to watch the TV. You know what I'm saying? You can't, we, we're distracted. It's more, more stuff, more, more, more. My wife and I, the other day, we paid. I went to see the last Marvel movie in 4D. Anybody, 4D? I don't even know what 4D is. We went to 4D, paid 25 bucks a ticket. It was a little bit extra money. I thought, well, let's just splurge. We had a family of five, 100 and something bucks to go to 4D. We go in there, 4D. We get in, we put the glasses on. You sit in the seat, and the thing comes on the preview, and the movie hasn't even started, and it starts to show you, and like the, the whole section is about 12. It starts, and 
and it's, the whole, it's, mo- it's moving and you, shaking. I got my, I'm holding my glasses on. I'm like, eh, eh, it's shooting water up from my feet, spraying me in the face, blowing wind over the back of my head. My chair's vibrating. It feels like somebody's kicking me in the back. We start to watch the movie. We get to the last big fight scene. I'm like, it's like. I look at my wife. I'm just, she's looking at me. I'm like, ah, this sucks. We're cracking up about how bad it sucks. I'm like, I can't watch the movie. It's panning in on things. I've got like the disease vertigo. I feel like I'm falling over in my chair. I'm like, am I, where am I? I start laughing. I'm like. Is it gotten this bad? We need entertained while watching entertainment. I was like, has it gotten this bad? Look at my wife. I'm like, we're being entertained while we're watching entertainment. And I hate it. And I paid for this. We look at each other. We we paid for this. And this, this is how it just creeps in slowly. Like all of a sudden, like we need more, we need more gadgets and we, we want to control more and we want to, we want to have more and, and, and the world promises us no tangles and I'm just going to give you all these gadgets and things and, and you can control your life and I'm going to promise you this feeling and, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves wrapped up and tied up. This is how it creeps in. It starts like this. Check out this picture. I got a picture up here. Of the first Swiss Army knife or a classic. Come on. How nice is that? Got a knife. Got a file. Some scissors. That little gray one right there is a, is a tweezer or tweezers. Is it tweezer or tweezers? Tweezers. There's only one of them. It's tweezer. <laughs> Make you think, I don't know. Toothpick on the other side. You know, it's, I, look what we've evolved to. Look at this. this is the XAVT Super Edition. Look at the creep. All of a sudden, it just cre- all of a sudden you need more and more and more and more and more. This thing has 83 features. 83. Come on, we got them on the back screen. I think we have some, some features. It's just a list of them. Features of the, of the Swiss Champ XAVT. And in the, in the advertisement, these are essential features, by the way, essential features. I mean, all the way down, large blade, small blade, corkscrew, can opener, scissors, toothpick, tweezers, key ring, wood saw, wood saw, fish scaler with hook disgorger. I think we got another, yeah, a thermometer. For, look, these are the weird ones. Pharmaceutical spatula. <laughs> thermometer. I do not want to know how people try to take their temperature with that device. I don't want to know. <laughs> Alarm, timer. One, one thing says a pruner. A, a, a pruner? Like you're going to do the hedges in the national forest? Like what are you, what are we doing? <laughs> I just, it just creeps in and creeps in and creeps in. And pretty much we're tangled in our soul if we're not careful. And we think our life's going to be easier. But the reality is we're more stressed out. We're more anxious. We're more worried. We're more fearful about tomorrow. And, and we sang that song today. God, help me trust you. That's my prayer too. God, help me trust you. I think that's part of my, my prayer today for us is that we could just trust him. Matthew talks about this, or Mark talks about it in chapter 4. He talks about the thorns that we get tangled in. And there's a parable of the seed and the sower. And Jesus kind of explains about a sower, which is God. Jesus goes out and sows the word of God onto four different types of soil. And it's a picture of four different types of hearts. 
And he talks about these four soils and the parable is talking about the impact of the seed on the soil. And I want you to hear me. The impact of the seed of the word of God is is not dependent on the word of God. It's dependent on your soil. Today you're hearing the word of God and I'm talking about things and, and some of your soil is, is, is turning and distracted. Some of it's good soil and, and the whole time the enemy's trying to come and take the word, the Bible says. And, and the seed for us to know in the harvest in your life is dependent on the condition of your heart. And the condition of my heart, it's an analogy of four types of hearts. And so he talks about four soils. The first one's the wayside soil. It's the seed that falls on the wayside, and it's a hard path on the side of the path. And it says that the birds of the air come immediately, and and he talks about Satan, comes immediately and steals that word of God. Immediately, for all of us, we're all going to leave here today, and the enemy's going to try to immediately steal the word of God. Listen to me, that's an external killer. External, the enemy's coming at us from the outside. It talks about a shallow soil or a stony soil, and it says that it, it's thrown onto those soils, and there's, there's rocks, and it's shallow, so there's no root. And then it says persecutions and trials come because of the word. You wonder why persecution comes, why trial comes, why sicknesses come, why the enemy comes at us with stuff, why those things come at us, to steal the word of God, to steal our faith in the word of God. And so it says that these things come, and, and it's shallow, there's no root, and when, and when the sun comes out or the persecutions come, People walk away from God. That's, again, an external killer. It's an external thing. And then it talks about a good soil, a fruitful soil that bears 30, 60, and 100-fold. And I'm believing that's for us. That's a soil that has expectation because, listen, expectation determines your experience in anything. So whatever you're expecting is what you're going to experience. And so we're the type of people that bat away birds and, and defend our word from the enemy and, and dig up rocks and pebbles and, and take care of our soil and our heart, and we expect a return. That's us. But he mentions this other soil, the soil where the seed is sown among thorns. Verse 7, it says this, And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. That these thorns are actually trying to kill the fruit of God in my life and the fruit of God in your life. And it's interesting, it says they sprung up. This is an internal killer, not an external killer. The others were external. This is talking about an internal killer. It's talking about something that's already inside that grows up, that springs up. Not an external like the devil, not an external like persecution, but an internal. Come on, we got to go after the root of that. Quit blaming your mama, quit blaming your daddy, quit blaming the abuse, quit blaming your girlfriend, quit blaming your, your boyfriend, quit blaming your teacher, quit blaming your coach, quit blaming your spouse. Come on, can I preach to you today? Can I pastor you for a minute? This is something internal in your own heart. We look at all the externals, and there are externals that try to steal our walk with God, but the more uh, scarier thing is the internals that begin to try to choke out the life of God from our heart. The bitterness, the unforgiveness, the the, the spirit of, of, of greed sometimes, just all these different things on the inside of our heart try to kill it. If we're not careful, man, we don't want to be unfruitful. We don't want thorns to choke out and kill our calling. You can write this down. A tangled heart is the enemy of a fruitful life. Tangled heart is the enemy of a fruitful life. Mark chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, that's all of us, and the cares of this world, one, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So according to Jesus, there are three types of thorns that actually choke the word. I'm just going to give you these three simple thoughts today on what chokes the word of God in our lives. Number one, the cares of this world. I wrote down deadly attitudes. Deadly attitudes, the cares of this world. The word cares is worries, anxieties, fears, turmoil, the turmoil of this world. The the things of this world, they actually try to 
kill the word of God. Deadly attitudes, the way we think sometimes, the, the negativity, the, the, the anxiety. Our mind goes negative. It has a tendency to go negative. It was built into us in the fight or flight, in our design. We had to kill dinosaurs at one point. Come on. And so you can have some negative thoughts if you have to kill dinosaurs every morning. Right? So, so and, and, and the, re- the reality is that was there to help us survive. But nowadays, it's not the same. And we actually can rewire our mind to not be Velcro to ne- negativity. Our, our mind is actually built, you know, if we don't actively change it, we go negative and it becomes Velcro. Look at this. The Journal of Psychology says this. The average American spends 116 minutes per day, two hours per day, rehearsing anxiety, fear, Anger, grudges, replaying slights, negative emotions, what they said, what she said, why I'm not good enough, why they're better. Two hours per day with things in our heart that are stirring around on what kills and chokes the word of God. Two hours a day. And we've got to begin to say, no, 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 I'm going to take captive these thoughts. I'm going to, I'm going to not get tangled in this negativity. I call it mosquito thinking. It's deadly. Uh, do you know when they built the Panama Canal, 100,000 people died? You would think they died from moving the mountains, from digging a, a path through the, for the ocean to flow through. You'd think they would have died moving the trees and cutting the forest back. 100,000 people died from mosquitoes. From the little pesky bugs that fly around their face trying to bite them and suck their blood. These are the deadly attitudes, the little mosquito thoughts that we have that are flying around our faces all the time, flying around our heads all the time, trying to get into our minds about others, about our spouse, about people, about our city, about our situation. Come on, it's easy to get this negativity into our minds all the time. It's very deadly. Small pests wanting to tangle us up and kill us. Here's what's crazy. We can move mountains by faith. We can walk on water by faith. We can heal the sick by faith. We can declare by faith, but we, we can die by a deadly mosquito. It's not the big things that kill us in the faith walk. It's the small things that, that begin to try to tangle us up into our thoughts. And just deadly attitudes, anxiousness, nervousness, uh, fear, fear of missing out, fear if I'm not popular enough, fear of not getting enough likes, fear if they don't like me. I call it drama thoughts. Come on, listen. Can I tell you something? Our church, you, me, we, we're, we're changing a city. You're, you're not just here. You're changing a city. You're changing what religion looks like. You're, you're, you're showing people relationship. You're building relationships. The devil does not like what we're doing. We've been offered an opportunity in the next couple of weeks to, to even change the city more. I'm not going to get into the details right now, but, but, but we've been invited to do some amazing things in our city, and we're praying through that. But listen to me. We don't have time for drama. Like you don't have time for drama thoughts and, and, and do they like me? Do they not like me? Am I good enough if I'm not? You don't, we, you don't have, you're trying to build a marriage, change a city, change a nation, change a destiny, change a business, change a calling, change a child. Like I don't have time. You don't have time for it. And the enemy wants to get these mosquitoes around us. And I'm the only one in my family, really, two of us, that get bit by mosquitoes. Anybody that gets bit by mosquitoes, you're like the only one in your family? Come on, come on y'all don't know our struggle, guys. Like, this is why my wife always wants to go on a romantic walk. I'm like, baby, that's like a jungle safari out there. I can't do it. Come back all welted out, man. 
Like three, three of us get bit. My wife and my other son don't. And I, it bothers me. Like, I didn't know if it's like, because I smell good. Like, if it's something I eat. They're like, the pheromones. You know, I don't know what it is. Somebody's like, it's pheromones. I'm like, okay. You know. <laughs> my wife's rolling her eyes at me right now. You better not roll your eyes, girl. I got pheromones. Uh, uh, but, <laughs> but, but I asked the Terminex guy. Came to our house. And he's looking for bugs and stuff and doing all that. I was like, dude, you got to help me. I get bit all the time. Everybody else, no one gets bit. I get bit. Like, why? What is it? Is it because of my, of my pheromones? <laughs> he's like, yes, it is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. That's so bad. Uh, he, no, he, he, says, he says, no, it's because you put off. It's, they're, they're attracted to CO2 gas. I was like, really? I never learned that. I never knew that. He's like, you put off more CO2 than the rest of your family. As I, was, as I was preparing for this message, I was just thinking about that moment with mosquito thinking, and God said, you know what, mos- what, what CO2 gas is, don't you, son? I was like, no. He said, it's called poison. Oh, <laughs> yeah, y'all know where I'm preaching that. The, the, more, the more poisonous gas that you put out, the more you're attracting the mosquitoes and the bites and the drama and the pests and the anxiety and the fear and the worry and, the, and you're stuck in this cycle because you think that you can be negative and just vent about it, but it's actually attracting the very things that you hate. God said, if you would just put out more oxygen, son, if you just put out some more life, some more stuff people can breathe, some more stuff that gives life and, and air and breath and uplifts and builds, and just begin to put that out. So I'm talking to you too. Like just begin to put that out and watch life kind of raise up around you in a new way and the mosquito thinking and the deadly thinking move from around you. Really, we have to turn from it. We've got to repent, like recognize it and go, okay, God, I recognize these thought patterns. I'm going to grab a hold of them. And now I'm not going to go drama thought, which is self-seeking, self-serving, selfish i'm going to begin to think about others and bless others and lift up others and figure out how to be generous and how to give and how to serve and how to call my spouse up into her calling and my children up and we can be negative and pick apart everything all the time come on we can we can always there's always a problem there's always an issue right or we can begin to declare with oxygen in our lungs the word of god bless someone else jesus says this all the worries in the world won't add one single moment to your life I'm almost out of time, but i got a couple more thorns I need to give you. Our plane about crashed on the way back from Cuba. Um, y'all think I'm being dramatic. It wasn't 4D, I'm telling you that. Like, we, we were, we're flying, and we about get over, over Florida. We're getting ready to go over the ocean. And the, you hear a pop, and then this, this wheezing sound coming from over one of the emergency exits. There's some drama going on with the maintenance guy. He's on the plane and all this. And then all of a sudden you hear the captain come on like, uh, this is your captain speaking. It's pretty good right there. Um, he says, he says, I haven't practiced that. He says, he goes, he goes, um, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and try to do an emergency landing in Tampa. We've got a small leak over the emergency exit and the plane has not decompressed yet. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and take a landing in, in Tampa before we get out over the ocean because we just want to be safe. Right, folks? Thank you. He goes off. He comes back on. He goes, Psh, this is your captain. Actually, we're going to take this thing back to Atlanta. And uh, he says, stay calm. <laughs> it's the last thing you want to hear out of your pilot. The plane has not depressurized yet. You know, I'm like, ah! 
I can't breathe. I can't. My mind starts going into anxious. You know, anxious. I can't breathe. I'm waiting for the little yellow mask to drop down. Anybody ever want to see that? This is your. I'm like, this will be cool, but oh God, I can't breathe. And then I'm just like, man, I got to. I mean, I'm starting to get into like this panic attack. Like, come on. And then I'm like, well, if today's the day, God. Today's the day. All right. I was like, come on, baby. I hope this plane can get back to me. Lord, whatever. I know you. You know me. I love you, Jesus. I hope the flotation device can hold this thing up. But it's your day. If it's today's the day, I'm with you, Lord. I love you. I, can't, I couldn't worry that plane in the air one more minute, guys. I couldn't, I couldn't worry that thing back to Atlanta. Like if it was today, we, I just had to let go and say, God, if today's my day, you know my day. You know when we're standing face to face and I'm good with you, I love you. Why do we think we can worry the plane in the air? Why do we think we can worry this thing to continue to fly? Like God, I just, some of us just need to give up and say, okay, Jesus, I exalt you. Write this down. How can we trust Jesus for eternal life but not daily life? Just got to trust him. Like, exalt you, Jesus. There's distractions and fear and anxiety. The second thing the second thorn that chokes us is the deceitfulness of riches, destructive ambition. Destructive ambition. Come on, it doesn't say that money is, is being identified as the bad thing. It doesn't say money comes in and chokes out the word. Uh, money is amoral. Riches are amoral. It doesn't say riches come in and choke out the word. What does it say? The deceitfulness of money. It says this, the lies that we believe about money, the lies that money tell us choke out the word the lies that we think if i had this i'd be happier if i had more i'd be better i'm not enough without it it's so easy to get tangled into the lies that money tells i promise you if you're not enough without it you'll never be enough with it if you're if you're not happy without it i went down to visit my brother he's got a million dollar house over a lake in charlotte he's a lawyer god bless his soul i left thanksgiving feeling like man i suck i go i'm just like I went the other day, took my son to a party. I don't know how he worked this out, but he was at a party. The only dude, I think, with like eight girls, and they all go to web. I'm like, come on, somebody. Set daddy up, you know. <laughs> like, you're smart, son. Eight girl. He's like, you didn't raise no dummy, dad. I'm like, all right, boy. <laughs> anyway, they're going out on the boat. I pull up mansion on the, on the, on the, on the lake, boat, all that. I'm, I'm pulling up my little pilot, you know. I'm like, what's up? White pilot. It's not a minivan, but, you know, it's one step away. I pull up. Listen, I'm, I'm telling you, this is how money lies to you. I leave there going, man, what am I doing with my life? I'm like, I need to start a, I need to start a little Caesars pizza pizza. I need double the dough. Dough, dough. I need some more money. I'm strategizing on how to start a little Caesars pizza, leaving this big mansion. Can I tell you all my inner thoughts? I get to get naked up here and expose myself to y'all. It's... This is really what happens in my mind. But, but, but those thoughts, listen, the lies that we believe about that stuff, it drags us further from our calling, further from our purpose, further from our destiny. Come on, we better know what God's asking us to get involved in. You know what I'm saying? These riches lie to us. They show you the car. They advertise to you. They say, look, if you had this, you'll have pleasure and you'll, you'll, you'll be happy like this person. They don't show you the, 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 the kids screaming in the back of the car. They don't show you the kids spilling the milkshakes in your new car. They don't, they don't show, they show you the pretty girl and guy flying down California with a nice wet street, hair blowing in the convertible, going around the California curves over cliffs at 100 miles an hour. They don't show you the gas prices in California. 
And, 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 and all of a sudden you're thinking, if I had this, I'd be happy. I meet people all the time. Well, when I get married, I'll be happy. If you don't figure out how to be happy before you get married, you'll never be happy when you're married. And here's why it's so painful. Because when we're always looking for more, we're missing out on what matters most. The things that we have and the people that we love. And I just want to say to you, your kids don't need more of more. They need more of you. They need more of me. My wife needs more of me. And the third one, the last one, I got five minutes. The last one is this. The third thorn is this. It says the desire for other things. I wrote down divided attention. Divided attention. There's care showing us that we don't trust God. There's lies we listen to about money. And then there's the desire for other things. And the reality, this word desire is a good word. We desire God. We desire to go to heaven. We desire food. We desire friendships. But it's saying that there's actually a desire that can get unhealthy when the desire for other things takes the place of the God things. Write this down. When good things crowd out God things, they become bad things. It could have been fine at first, but now all of a sudden that sports that you love, it's like a funeral if your team loses. You know what I'm saying? Or the boat or the club soccer or the golf or the hunting or the NASCAR. Come on, if you're, if you're you know, I've met some hunters, man. If, if you're a golfer, my wife married a golfer. Our biggest counseling needs have been around my golf habit. Just being honest, like any golfers, if you're not a golfer, you don't understand. Like, like golfing. It's, there, it's a dick. There's something to it. Like, I gave it up for five years to save our marriage. Like, in premarital counseling, it was like, you're going to play golf twice a month. And I was like, yes. And then I quit for five years, came back strong with a set of clubs without talking to her from Home Depot. I got them from playing against sports. And then I began to play four times a month. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I quit five years. I'm making up the time, baby. <laughs> and, and, and now, if that takes the place of the God thing, it becomes a bad thing, right? And so often there's things in our life that, that creep in, our devices. Think about our phones. I mean, I'm in a, I'm in a debacle with our, our family trying to figure it out with our devices and phones. we got three teenagers and it's phone. My wife hates the phones. And I'm going to tell you as a pastor, I don't have it figured out either. I'm like, how much do we get on and how do we stop it? And how can we back it up? And it's going forward and progressing. And we go back to the rotary phone and like, hello, you know, I don't know. I know Jesus is the answer. Check out this. The times that we touch our phone, click our phone, open our phone, tap our phone, do something on our phone, 216 touches per day. The top 10% over 5,000 times per day. Okay? Uh, and that's just phones. Now we have Kindles, iPads, TVs, computers, we're on for work, whatever. The average American watches media 10.3 hours per day. Media of any type. Take away music, it's about seven hours per day, 49 hours per week of media. Look at this chart back here. i got a graph, a little math equation. 168 hours in a week, 40 hours of a work week, 49 hours sleep per week, 7 hours a night, 21 hours meals, dress, hygiene, 58 hours per week left, 49 hours with screens and media. That leaves 9 hours. I'm distracted. You're distracted. Nine hours to spend time with God, to follow our calling, to, 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 to love our kids, to spend time on our marriages, to exercise, to have time alone, to read a book. Nine hours. And if it doesn't come from that, it takes from somewhere else. We're distracted. It's a problem in my life. It's a problem in your life. And I'm not here to beat you up. I'm just here to be, let's face it. If we face it, God can fix it. David said it in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. The devil knows that distraction for you in my life is deadly. He knows it. I'm going to end with this. 
My buddy Laban Propes is right there. I called him last night. We texted last night. He's a three-time, three or four, four-time world champion in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. One of the best in the world right there. We have some really cool people that go to our church. Some amazing people in their field. His wife is a, is a, is a brain surgeon or a neurologist, I believe, I think, and, uh, uh, or psychology. Well, that's neurology. Same thing, but fixing the brain. And, uh, and so... <laughs> And uh, just amazing couple, amazing kids. They love Jesus. And um, if you're interested in, 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 in sports or training for your kids, he's the guy. Man, he's over on Sutherland. Amazing guy, amazing teacher with kids. Um, but uh, I was just asking him, you know, we need to know this. And, and if, if there's weeds that want to choke out the life and the fruit of God in our life, if there's weeds, we need to know their intention. And the Bible says they want to choke out. That's not a peaceful word. That's an aggressive word. That doesn't mean that we can peacefully coexist with these in our life. Like, they're not going to just hang out at your party peacefully. They're trying to choke and kill and destroy. They're not, even though you know they're there, like, you, if you don't, they're wanting to choke you. And in jujitsu, like, the goal is to choke the other person out. Like, make them go night-night. Like, good night. <laughs> Satan is trying to choke us out on our walk with God. Make us go to sleep on God. And I asked Laban, I said, dude, if someone's trying to choke you, what's the most important thing you can do? What do you do first? What do you defend first? Do you, do you defend the arm? And he just gave me these three thoughts, three points they'll preach all day, but I'm out of time. He said, number one, you protect yourself. Protect, protect, protect. If you protect yourself in the battle, then you won't ever get in that, that, that spot anyway. Think about protection, number one. Number two, position, 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 position. If you establish a, a superior position, then you'll never get in a, in a spot to be submitted you'll always be in a superior position and then once you're in that superior position you can actually then go into submission and submit your opponent and so it's protection position submission and so walking with God and the tangles that are coming after us trying to choke us first we have to protect like protect our life from it what does that look like like and then and then position ourselves in Jesus that's my really big answer for you is just time with Jesus like, I don't have some religious equation to give you. I just have Jesus. Like, I want to say this. He went to the tree and took thorns on his head so they won't get tangled in your heart. If we can, if we can focus on him and reposition ourselves in him, then we actually have a chance to submit the enemy of our life. Would you stand with me? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the position in Jesus. Here's what I love about Jesus. He's got the highest position. That he went to a tree, died on the cross, took thorns in his face. Many people believe they were four to six inch thorns all around his face, went down through his cheeks, came out of his eye sockets, pierced through his skull. It was put on by a hammer. It wasn't just placed on the top of his head. That his brow was pierced with thorns so our heart doesn't have to be. That the thorns that we fight and the tangles that we face every day in this earth, it's just a reality. It's not bad. We're not evil people. It's just the reality of this planet. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you today, help us position ourselves and protect ourselves in Jesus. We look back to you today, Jesus. Maybe that looks like five minutes with you in the morning. Maybe it, maybe it looks like a position in ourselves on a serve team and not just sitting in a chair, but getting involved with a relationship. Maybe it's getting into a connect group, Jesus, showing us the right relationships and accountability. Help us position ourselves, not just sit in a chair, but position ourselves in the kingdom so we can actually submit the weeds that are trying to choke our life. Jesus, you're in the highest seat. You said you've been exalted above all at the right hand of God, seated. And I want to say this to you today. If you're worn out and been tangled, the cool thing is Jesus is seated, and you can take a seat in him. 
You can actually sit down and quit striving and quit trying to pull off all the tangles and get yourself free from it. Just sit down in Jesus. Say, Lord, I'm here to rest in you. If you're in this place today, no one looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you forward, but I'm going to ask you to show me your hand. Maybe you've been been tangled up by a, by a care of the world, a worry or a fear, or maybe it's insecurity or, or anger or control. Maybe that's tangled you up and left you. Maybe it's addiction or disease. Something's tangled your life. Maybe you've bought into the lie of money and maybe you've been divided with your attention. I don't know, but if that's you, no one look around. I want to pray for you. Say, Jamie, pray for me. I've been tangled up and today's my day. I'm believing the Holy Spirit. I'm going to sit down and position myself in Jesus in a new way every day, starting today. Lord, thank you. Just put your hand up to me. Let me pray for you. Come on, all across this room. I got my hand up in areas. I've been tangled in areas. Father, you know our hearts. You know where we've been distracted, where we've been tangled. I ask you supernaturally, Holy Spirit, it's not by our might or our strength or our stress. Lord, stress won't do it. That's what got us here. We sit down in you, Jesus. We look to your tree. We look to your cross today, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we look to the thorns on Jesus' face to detangle our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for taking all of it for us. Thank you that we can trust you not just for eternity, for, for daily living right now. We trust you, God. Clearly lead us on a path to detangle our lives. We face it so you can fix it. And the last thing, if you're here, it's not by accident today. Maybe, maybe you aren't right with God. Maybe you aren't surrendered to God. Maybe you're not seated in Christ. The Bible says this, not religion, not rules, not church. But if you would just sit down in Jesus, you get a fresh start in God. Some of you need a fresh start this morning. You've been working and anxious and striving and stressing to build your own life. And you know you're kind of tangled and, and you're, you're a doer and you're a get it done. And, or maybe you feel ashamed or you deal with guilt or shame. Or, so the only person that takes away all those tangles is Jesus. And today you can just say yes to him and sit, actually sit down in the highest position because of what he did and rest in him. If that's you, I'm going to ask you in a minute on three to put your hand up. Not going to embarrass you or bring you forward, but if you say, Jamie, pray for me. I need a fresh start in God. I need to sit down in Christ. I'm ready to surrender. I want to make him the Lord and leader of my life. One, two, three. Put your hand up to me right now. Let me pray for you. Come on. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you right there in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. God bless you. God bless you, man. Come on, church. All across this house, people saying yes to sitting down in Jesus. Father, we, we sent your Holy Spirit right now. Father, everyone that put their hand up and heart up right now, I pray you invade with your spirit, with your power. Lord, you didn't come to make us good people. You came to make us alive people. Lord, make all of us alive. Make those that put their hand up for a fresh start alive in you right now. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Holy Spirit, give them the life of God. Give them a relationship with you. Detangle them right now. Remove shame, guilt, fear, stress, anxiety, and give them the favor that only you can give from heaven and let them know that you're their Lord and you're their leader. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, give God a round of praise right now. What a great, great morning. All of you that said yes, man, I'm so proud of you. And I believe supernaturally that some tangles are coming off. If you.